Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. This week's Torah portion is Akev. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshay Emmet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about the forecast. Well, the forecast is rain with a chance of punishment. Talking about the weather and its theological implications. When it's raining, and it has been raining a lot in Chicago, do you think about the theological implications of the rain? No, to be honest, I think about the... Uh... The global warming implications first, and then I maybe maybe first maybe I also think about you know the personal implications whether I need to take an umbrella with me. Um, but I tend to be selfish about that and uh, think about these things from my own perspective and how it affects me. To be honest, so our environment it really impacts us because I you know candidly I don't actually think about the rain uh, from a theological perspective either. But if we lived in the land of Israel we would probably be more sensitive to that issue. Uh, rainfall is a topic of conversation in Israel. If it doesn't rain in the winter, it becomes very challenging. And we should note that for the first time in the history of the land of Israel, Israel is water uh, self-sufficient. Because of the uh, wonders of desalinization, Israel now can produce enough water for its population. It was just a few years ago where you would have to bring water in if there was not enough rainfall in the wintertime. Even if you look at our liturgical calendar, right, it, uh, there's a pray for, prayer for rain. During the uh, festival of Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret, there suddenly were, we pause and we, we start praying for rain because our religious tradition is tied to the land of Israel. And we don't think about it this way here in the States, but gosh, in Israel, it is a topic of concern. Well, sure. And I think that um, if you look through the Torah and through most, um, you know, religious stories, weather is a factor, you know, people are praying to end droughts, people are praying to end floods, and uh, religious figures are called upon as if they have the powers to somehow connect with God over these issues of sparing the earth or ensuring the crops. Uh, and that those were keys to survival. So if it's if survival's at stake, you turn to God. I think that's um, understandable and human explanation for how we relate to religion. That's right. So it's basically help us and find the right formula or the right ritual or the right shaman to do that. And what I want to suggest to you today, and this is a large part of our portion of Akev, is that Judaism is different than that. Judaism has a very different approach. And instead of thinking about it from kind of a pagan, magical, formulaic point of view, the Torah is going to look at our relationship with the land and rainfall, which is vital for survival, through a moral lens. And I think that's a fascinating idea, and I think it has larger implications uh, for us today. So let me just tell you about one passage that I think elucidates this idea. The, the children of Israel are on the precipice of the promised land. And it's right here, 40 years after the departure from Egypt, that God makes a comment about the difference between Egypt and Canaan, as it was called then. In Egypt, water is plentiful because of the Nile River. In Israel, there are no bodies of water like the Nile, and so the only way to get fresh water is through rain. And rain is, as we've noted, can be problematic on a whole variety of different levels. 
But if it doesn't fall, then the connection is to the Torah. If you listen, if you will listen, if you will obey the Torah, then you'll have rain in your season. But if you don't, there's going to be a drought. And so when it didn't rain in Israel, it was a sign to check your relationship with God, to check your relationship with each other, to check your relationship with Torah. I think it's a really interesting and somewhat terrifying idea. How does that strike you? Yeah, it's harder than just finding the right prayer, finding the right shaman who will know how to how to make it rain. If you don't behave correctly, if you're not um, living up to the deal that you've made with uh, in accepting the Torah, then you don't get to live, right? Because this is life or death, whether it rains or not. It's not just a question of whether you're going to have a nice garden. It's a survival that's at stake. So it's really, uh, in some ways, frightening because it, it's raising the stakes to the ultimate level. It does. And as you said that, the word empowerment came to mind. I think that paganism in general and most ancient forms of religion were attempts to empower ourselves in a world that is utterly disempowering. When you don't know where tornadoes come from or hurricanes or floods or droughts, how do you gain any sort of control? You're utterly powerless in that world to make a change, to make a difference, to change your situation. So people look to alternative sources of power. could be going back to a ritual, a shaman, a sacrifice, and down the road. And how you engage with the gods as you imagine them. For is the Israelites, the empowerment comes from your ability to keep Torah, which is ultimately to keep a moral and ethical society. And that's the reward for that. And so in a way, the Israelite approach for this is utterly empowering for the Israelite. It's really in your hands, God's saying. It's not some magical thing. It's in your hands. It's in your hands to do this. I don't think it's a hard transition to make to think about the fact that everyone is responsible and then to talk about the climate crisis that we're faced with now. Right, because that um, makes me wonder if that's the case, then why doesn't it work better? Why are we are we punished over and over? Why do we have the floods brought upon us and the, and the droughts and why are we facing global warming? The answer is that if, if you believe in this formula that you're raising, that we have failed to live up to our end of the bargain, we have failed to live according to Torah, and we are visited with these with these plagues, um, including now, you know, one might argue global warming and and this pandemic. So, does that mean that the system of of reward uh, and punishment hasn't worked well enough that we keep failing over and over? Well, I think the punishment is coming and it's becoming more present. But what, what I think the Torah is saying, which is, which is very different than ancient religions and certainly different than the argument that we're making today is that our fate in, in terms of rain and, and I'm going back to the Torah is self-inflicted. It's not a despotic God who is irrational visiting down all kinds of punishments on us because they have nothing better to do with their time, as you kind of see in the Greek myths or in the ancient myths of, of other religions, or their wars or this or that, as people trying to make sense of a situation that they're faced with in nature. This is all about us. How do we respond? And I, and I want to focus on a vertical and horizontal understanding here that has to be acknowledged. The vertical is 
that there are laws that go beyond the rational understanding that we have today. There are laws that's, that go beyond the needs I have in the moment, whether they're capitalistic needs, I need oil, I need this, I need gasoline and combustible engines to move the economy. Those are my needs. But what about the needs of the larger society? Are there laws that supersede my need and simply say, you'll have to find an alternative and you have to manage this? And that brings us to the horizontal, which is how do I impact not only this generation? And what's my relationship, rich and poor? And you see this in the pandemic and how, how the environment affects different populations depending on their economic status, but also how do I impact the next generation? Yeah, this is, these are monstrously large, impossible to understand, um, issues, right? I think what we're saying is that we have to be better people. Uh, we have to be in a relationship with God and with the universe and with our, with our brothers and sisters. We have to think about our families and, and how we can be good members of our families and our communities. All of this. And that's why we do this religion thing, right? And if we fail at all of that stuff, are we punished? Is that the incentive? But I don't think that's the incentive to do all these things. It shouldn't be that we're doing this because we'll get rain. We'll be blessed with, with abundant crops. It's, it feels like it, you know, it shouldn't be a tit for tat kind of thing. It should be more of a holistic view that, right? This is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. And no one's going to argue if you say to them, do you think it's a good idea to live in harmony with nature? <laughs> Is there anybody who say, oh no, I think that's a terrible idea. We should, we should be at war with nature. That's the concept. But what happens when there are complications with that? That, well, it's not money. If people want to eat meat or beef, it's a free market economy. If people have more money to spend, let's take China. Now suddenly there is a, a burgeoning, what we'll call the middle class there, and people have more money and they want uh, higher quality meat, we have to grow the meat. But the ecological effect of that is dramatic. So what do we do and how do we understand that? I was driving down the street the other day and I was pulled up next to a Hummer. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world were we thinking that you needed this army vehicle that gets like, you know, one mile to the gallon. Where's the responsibility that I have to anyone else in the universe, right? Where's my starting point? I guess the Torah takes the view, yes, I think it's great when people do things for that purpose, but in case you don't do it for that purpose, then do it because there are consequences to your actions. It's a double-edged sword, but I think you have to have both sides. We tend to view the, the, the profit motive as being our religion at times, and that drives everything. And if we can squeeze more profits, higher stock prices, and better returns on our investment, then the environmental concerns get pushed aside, and the concerns for the poor get pushed aside, and even perhaps our how much attention we pay to our families gets pushed aside because we are driven by this other religion that overtakes well, us. That's right, but that, but isn't that the purpose of religion? It's to create a different lens for us to look at the world through. We are driven and there are all kinds of societal pressures, but we're not helpless here. There, there are other ways of approaching it. And moreover, each of us are part of the equation. So what are the choices that I am making on a daily basis to show my awareness of a higher law? How do I visit that into my daily life? And I would suggest that 
the manner in which we treat the environment is a commandment. It's a religious act, no less than prayer. For me to think about to recycle, for me to think about the impact of my actions on the environment is a religious act. And I think we need to look at it that way. From a Jewish perspective, that's how I think the Torah wants us to understand it. There is a moral calculus to the way in which I live in the world. And you can't say, well, I'm a religious person because I keep kosher, I go to shul, or I do what I do. But then again, you know, I just trash the environment, you know, well, and, I, and I don't pay any attention to that. I think that's a religious issue. I agree with you completely. And if we are to extend that and to say that we should look at these signs as messages that we have failed and that we need to be better and that our faith controls the, the fate of the universe, then there's no better time than right now to, for us to be getting that message. We have global warming that threatens our children's and our grandchildren's survival. We have a pandemic that requires a world response, that re requires community to come together and act for the greater good. And we have a system in our country that is heightening division when it ought to be uniting. And we are, you know, bursting at the seams. People of different colors are fighting in the streets. If you're looking for a sign, <laughs> the sign is here. How do we respond? What can we do to, to stop this punishment that is falling on us right now? There, there's the issue of responding from within and responding from without. The fact that the changes in our environment or the changes in our global caps haven't really caught our attention enough to really make the full number of changes that we need to make is stunning in its own way. I think people have done more than they're often given credit for, but there's much more to be done. And I guess the Torah is basically saying it can be very stark. And the punishment, and let's come back to where we started, that these are self-inflicted wounds. But I don't think that, I don't think that people respond to fear for very long. They'll stop, but as soon as they have the sense that they can go back where we were before, people do that pretty quickly. There's a deeper philosophy here about our relationship to the world, our relationship to each other, and to a higher law. And you can call it the Torah, or you can call it world ethical approach. But I think that the building blocks for the solution are built into our portion this week, if we really want to talk about uh, our relationship with the world. That's really interesting to me that with the um, pandemic, you've seen improvements in the environment, right? There's there's less uh -huh. carbon emission. So is is that a sign? Is that tell us that we can fix this if we if we come together and, and instead of coming together in fear of pandemic, we came together out of love for our planet and for each other. We could actually do this, right? I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. I think we can do so much more. If I mean, you know, if we were working together on this and let's let's hope that we can. Let's hope that we can. And that's, that's at least my prayer to end this conversation. Yeah, we have to. We have to. Thanks, Jonathan.